When it comes to keeping an eye on your business, Bay Alarm brings the best, like networked video surveillance systems so you can view your security cameras from anywhere. It's one more way we keep our eyes on what you prize. Because if your security is not the best, you're not secure. Go to bayalarm.com slash KNBR video for a special offer to all new business customers. Now more than ever, Bay Alarm, ACO28CCL880138. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Welcome to Polly's Podcast. You know, I've been thinking about this. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? All right, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of the Polly Mac Podcast uh, in the Zoom format, no less, man. But we're doing what we can. You know, we got the usual suspects. Uh, Creative Tony, Shannon Kaler from the Stone Foxes and the KBR Creative Department. And we're bringing in special guests like when we can, how we can. And believe me, we know this is not the greatest um, uh, sound quality. And for that, we apologize. But it's the best we can do, I think, given these circumstances for now, because we're all still at home. Um, But today we have another special guest. So I'm going to say good morning, Tony. Oh, and this is July. July. Listen to me. (laughs) June. Brain damage is in full flight. Uh, June 11th, and no, we Polly. just – What? It's like March 102nd. Why <laughs> <laughs> June? What's the effing difference at this point? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. but anyway, the laughter you hear is one of our good friends, longtime friends at KMBR. It's Rod Brooks. Welcome to the podcast, Rod. Fellas, fellas, hey. fellas. What's happening? What's happening? Obviously, you it guys is- listen to Rod with uh, Tolbert and Kruger in the afternoon, but – for, for, like, newer listeners to the KMBR um, kind of community, Tony, you should walk our listeners through real quick just the history of Creative Tony, Polly Mac, and Rod Brooks. Because this – it goes deep, dude. It goes yeah. deep. I mean, we're talking uh, 97. We're talking July and August of 97. Man. Uh, Polly, you're a copywriter at the station. Yeah. Uh, I'm a producer for the, the, the ticket – the ticket ten fifty. Yeah, yeah, shout out ticket ten fifty. The, the yeah. ten fifty. Yeah. <laughs> and Brooksy drove a U-Haul out from uh, yeah. from Houston, Texas, to become an on-air host on ten fifty. And we had Brooks by the Bay. Oh, yeah. By the Bay. Oh, by the way, nothing wrong with a little Brooks by the Bay uh, segueing right into a little uh, lakefront beers. What was the name of that place, Rod? The boat. The, the boathouse. Oh, the boathouse. Yeah. Yeah, like we said. Yes, it was the yeah. boathouse. Absolutely. Yeah, boathouse, Absolutely. Dude. Yeah, man. Boat house. Rest in peace, boathouse, right? I think yeah. it's gone. It's gone. I believe yeah, it's gone. gone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was It was basically falling into the lake 20 years ago, so I can only imagine <laughs> yeah. that time took its toll eventually, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. And so 23, what, 22 plus years later... Here we are. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Hey, hey, dude, it's a story. By the way, Tony, Paulie, Rod Brooks, the major motion picture coming soon. Dude, I got the, like, the headline. It'll be, it's a story of friendship and survival. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you. dude, the, the fact that the three of us are still here, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, it it's amazing to me I'm just perfect. on, you know, my own personal level. But the three of us, I mean, considering all of the people <laughs> – uh, some of them we miss. Some of them get the hell out of here. You know, good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah. But uh, all the people that have come through and the three of us are still here to, yeah. to witness broadcasting in this form, 
yeah. uh, during a global pandemic. Yeah. That is uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to say, you know, I've heard a lot about the three of you. You know, Rod and I have had our moments of conversation and intimacy as well. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, we have. We have. Yes. And some of those moments we will get into in great detail. Uh, depending also, on how long this goes. <laughs> <laughs> I also forgot to mention that Polly and Rod had a morning show uh, together that I produced called Wake and Bake. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was its yeah. title? It had, it had a lot yeah. of handles. It was known as Wake and Bake. It was known as Brooks and Polly. And then my favorite, dude, the mayor and the player. Yeah, the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> that, Jen, and back at that time, I would like just – Throw it out on the air. Oh, by the way, vote for me for mayor. I'm running for mayor. <laughs> and there now was short, there was a short window where I, I did a little campaigning on the air. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you used to say you were the mayor, and now this week you've been talking about how you're dead and like your your all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories about your death. Ah, right, you know what? Just for the sake of being consistent, we'll kick this around the horn real quick. So Shannon's right. So we had a riff. I think it was uh, Tuesday. Totally organic, Brooksy. I was telling Murph on the air that I I I had watched the uh, the Bruce Lee Thirty for Thirty, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the Bruce Lee Thirty for Thirty, the TV they actually show you actual footage of the Bruce Lee funeral, and there's like, did you see it, Rod? Did, did no, you? I haven't seen it yet. I have okay. it on my my DVR queue, but I haven't seen it. I heard it. I'm, I'm not giving away too much, but basically at near the end, they show you footage of the Bruce Lee funeral. And at one point, like the cameras captured, they show you Bruce Lee's body in the open casket. So the next morning on, and it's only like a, it's a two second piece of the whole uh, thing. But the next day I was telling Murph, I'm like, dude, I feel, and I really mean this. Like I said, like, I feel kind of like I was intruding. Like, I don't know if we should be looking at that. Like, I don't know if like, Mm. Like, we should be looking at Bruce Lee's open casket. Like, it just seems like a violation somehow. I'm not a family member, you know. But anyway, that led to Murph saying, well, what about you, Polly? When you die, do you want open casket or clothes? Or are they going to burn you, cremate you, whatever? And so, dude, the whole show turned into a Polly Mac open casket tribute riff. Like, <laughs> they're going to move my body. Yeah, like, they're going to move my body to Giorgio's for a viewing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Dude, they're going to drop my body in the middle of Chinatown and just, like, let people throw garbage in the cab. Anyway, so this whole thing. But, Sh Sh Shannon, since you brought it up, long from now, the day that you finally perish or peril or pass away, open casket, closed casket, uh, ashes sprinkling, what are we doing for you, Kales? Oh, yeah, maybe everybody puts in a scoop of ice cream. Like, the, put me at a 31 flavors. I just... I just love it so much. I'll just go down with the cream. Okay. So I, make sure I get this straight. So even in death, you want ice cream. That's dedication. Oh, I'm, take, dedication, I'm taking it with me. to your dessert. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tony, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I think I'm probably going to vote to be cremated because I want my ashes uh, dropped into Lake Tahoe. Oh. But if if I if if I didn't have a choice and I was gonna be I would go open casket and I would have a vegetable buffet, um, on the side hanging off the side of my casket <laughs> so people could eat to could grab their own vegetables when they come visit me. Okay, all yeah. right, Brooksy, what are we doing for you? Just uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> I plan on leaving a good looking corpse. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be open casket. No, 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 no. E even better. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen these pictures, but it's, it's big and 
Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and sometimes they even do it here. I saw it done a couple of times in New Orleans where a person will be deceased, but they will have them doing their favorite activity. Yeah. Like I saw this one, this one guy oh. was a big dominoes yeah. player. So they had him dressed, I mean, <laughs> just like as clean as a lick plate, right? They had him dressed and he was sitting at a dominoes table. You know, he was sitting like he was playing dominoes. Yeah. There's, a, there's a guy from the Treme neighborhood in New Orleans. I forget his name. I wish I could remember it, but just, you know, just one of the true just characters of the neighborhood. And when they had his funeral, they had him dressed. I mean, he was as sharp as a knife. They had him dressed and they just came and had him leaning with his pimp cane. That's how I want to die. I want to be, be in my flyest and in my best yeah. looking good in yeah. some sort of action pose. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe even broadcasting like, ah, and I want everybody to be like, that's the guy I remember. I, I got it, Tony, for you and me, just in case you and I check out like in a, in a tragic car crash or something, like where we both go at the same time. Brooksy, how about this? Dress us up and like all our stuff, dress us up like we're going to a, a, a show together. But then I want our action pose to be Tony, put a lighter in Tony's hand and put like a bong in mine. And Tony could be like lighting my bong hit, like at the funeral parlor, you know? <laughs> and Tony can be wearing like a fish shirt, you know? And I'll have like a stone shirt on. And dude, I like you reaching over to light the, the tube, you know? Done. Yeah. Done with an old Bic lighter, like an old. <laughs> Maybe one of those flip top ones, one of those like. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, look, hey, dude, it's always good to have a laugh, and we love having Brooksy. Uh, this is what we do, whether we're on the air or off the air. When we hang out, no doubt. Our, our like kind of ongoing conversation has continued for over twenty years, like Tony said. And Brooksy, last week. I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this in my lifetime, and as more and more time comes by or goes by now that the Black Lives Matter uh, movement has become, it's global. I mean, it's gone global. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I think a lot of, and this is something I had talked to Tanika about too, Rod, and I'll be curious to get your take or whatever you want to share on this. Like for white people that are down with the cause and they want to help and some white people i think don't know how they can help and they say mm -hmm. like well what can i do like what's my role in all this so as a white guy asking you rod like what can i do what can we all do like what what's the best thing we can do in your estimation um it, it, ask questions and listen mm -hmm. listening leads to understanding understanding leads to empathy and when you have empathy for someone or you are empathetic to a cause, to me, you are more willing to fight for that cause. Or you are more willing to advocate for people who are fighting for that cause. Um, you know, I, I, I fully understand that there are white people out there that don't know, not that they're, 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 they've they're being willfully ignorant. They're just truly ignorant. They don't know that a certain thing they may say or a certain thing they may participate in or a certain thing they may hold close to their heart. They don't know that it's racist or it has a racist history or, or, or however you want to put it. So my thing is ask questions and, and listen. And when yeah. you listen, you'll understand and you'll catch where we, black Americans, have been coming from 
for, I mean, you know, to keep it somewhat modern for, you know, a hundred years, yeah. uh, 75, a hundred years, something along those lines. Listen, man, uh, racism didn't end when the equal rights bill was yeah. passed and, right. and, and signed. Uh, racism did not end when Barack Obama became president. It yeah. didn't end when he was reelected president. If anything, it was intensified, mm-hmm. which is why we are, in my opinion, why we are in the current state yeah. that we are in. Yeah. So when, 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 when black Americans, you know, they've been saying, Hey, listen, you know, that, that we think that's racist. And then when white people would get, would take umbrage to that, we weren't saying that because we were trying to pick a fight. We were saying that because that's how we truly felt because yeah. it was racist. I think what, what is the positive of right now is that there are millions, millions of white people who are good people yeah. and who consider themselves allies but they they might not have been down with the cause now i now they understand yeah and because they understand that's why you had so many you had so many non people of color out there marching and still have people uh, yeah. white people to just you know keep it simple uh you know out there marching for black lives uh, even during the civil rights marches you had white people who were marching but you go back and you look at those photos, you look at the, that, the, the video from that time, film footage of that time, pretty much all black. Yeah. You look at the, the, the protests now uh, that thankfully are still going on and are still very strong and, yeah. and are not being, uh, 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 people are not being beaten in the streets, thank goodness. See a lot of white folks out there. Yeah. And yeah. that's what makes me feel good about this. And that's what makes me feel, even though I, I'm like all oh, you guys, I've never been seen anything like this before. That's what makes me feel hopeful about this movement yeah. that, that will continue. And it will actually, it's, it's making, it's bringing along change now. I think it's going to bring along even greater change because we all, black, white, uh, you know, our Latino brothers and sisters are in it. Our Asian brothers and sisters are in it. Like you said, this thing is global now. Yeah. Everybody seems to be with it and they understand. And when, you know, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back, you know. And when you when when you got when you got numbers on your side, yeah, people power. It's going to be hard, hard, hard to beat that. You, you know the the ten days from George Floyd's death to let's say last Friday, ten days, two weeks, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I'm I'm 48 years old. That was the most difficult time of my adult life. Wow. I had never been so, I was so tired, so tired, just physically and mentally exhausted. I was angry. I was sad. I was confused at times. I had, uh, uh, I had preconceived notions. I had those confirmed uh, in the negative for a lot of things and a lot of people, unfortunately. And it was a real, you know, that, that week when everything was going down, yeah. it was a real hard week for me because I knew why people were mad. I knew why they would take it to the streets. I loved it, but I also hated to see the rioting and the looting, but I understood it, but it made me mad that there seemed to be some people out there who thought that, that, that property, that the, the looting of a target, which listen is wrong, but the looting of a target was more of a problem than the killing of another unarmed person right. of color by a police force that is supposed to protect us. And we've been telling you they've been doing this and you've seen footage of them doing this, yet it wasn't that important. It was just exhausting. But then we got to last Friday, and I don't know, maybe it's just because it was Friday or whatever, but I just, I, I, I felt hopeful 
mainly due to the fact that there were just so many different color faces out there standing up to racism and fascism and tyranny. And, and you know, what those protesters in D.C. and in New York, those two cities in particular, what they went through to keep, to keep fighting, and a bunch of them were white people along with black people, it made me feel good. So, I, you know, I know it's a long answer, but I, I feel hopeful just because, man, we all seem to be in it, and that's different than before. Brooksy, I love it, man. And I feel I have very similar feelings about that the first week. You're right, man. And it was. It was extremely difficult. And it was, I think all of us cried. I know I did a, a, a lot. And because it was, it was heartbreaking, man. And you know what's crazy, Rod, is like now, because I'm 51, and I feel like talking to my wife and talking to like younger people, like even just for me in my lifetime, like now I was too young for you know, like the, the Vietnam conflict, I was alive. I was like a little tiny kid, though. I don't really remember that stuff. But as I grew up and you start to form your own kind of values and stuff, like I was just telling my wife the other day, like, do you realize when Spike Lee put Do the Right Thing out, it's, it's the same effing thing. He told yeah. us, Spike's been saying it for years. Spike yep. showed it to us in 1989. 1989. That's like 30 years ago, roughly. And, you know, um, it's the same old S, and it, it, it really is. It does. I mean, we all should be angry, and we all should be heartbroken. But I feel like you, Rod. I actually have hope now. Like, I, I am hopeful. I think, because, Rod, I know you have young kids. I have kids, Tony. Like, I think that they're the ones that are going to straighten a lot of this out, because they're going to grow up knowing this is not – we, this is not tolerated anymore. You can't just be parading around. So I'm getting upset now. Sorry. But you can't just be like parading around spewing out kind of like racist rhetoric because it's not okay. It's not okay yeah. anymore. And, and I think that's at least the awareness of that. And like you said, Rod, seeing a lot of white people on the streets as they're fighting for this too, it, it does give me – um, some hope. Tony, have you had any conversations with your kids? Because I know your kids are young, like young uh, kids. Very short it's, ones. Very, yeah. very short ones. Um, just trying to explain to them that there's an uprising. Um, but not, mm -hmm. using, not using that term, but that's literally how I feel. Yeah. And um, you guys mentioned the word hope, and I am hopeful too. And I'm also getting kind of excited is the wrong word but if full rostered if the entire roster of an nfl team kneels during an anthem the power of that act will be the ripple effect and positive hopeful ripple effect of that act gives me goosebumps right now while i'm talking about it and sure you know i i appreciate goodell's statement but omitting you know kaepernick out of it it still goes to show that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. And the, 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 you know, the fire has been, you know, uh, well, the fire has been lit, but it's been, we just added a ton more uh, wood to that fire. <laughs> and um, I look forward to these sporting events. Cause that's, you know, that this is our industry. I look forward to these sporting events where these voices have the opportunity you know, to an international audience because the TV viewing viewership once, you know, say the NFL comes back or the, when the, when the NBA comes back, the viewership is going to be through the roof and the opportunity to, you know, without saying a word, 
take this opportunity to act and, and kneel is going to be so powerful. It gives me, it gets me very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Stick, stick to sports is dead. Stick to sports is as dead as Napoleon. That right. was a cudgel that terrible people used yeah. to get people right. who were, right. were, were genuinely upset about things that were going on, but they happened to be athletes, men and women. Uh -huh. they, they used that as a stick to keep those people quiet yeah. and dumb people, Dumb people bought it, and dumb people kept doing it. Stick yeah. to sports is now dead, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, you are going to see peaceful protest when sports comes back, particularly in the NFL. There's nothing that any of the owners can do to stop it. They won't stop it because they're craven, and they understand if they do, it's going to make them look bad, and they might say, you know, the, the fear of messing up their money is why, which is why they sided with the, the person and the people that they did before to, 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 to demonize kneeling because they were afraid of messing up their money. The owner is going to be quiet right now. You're going to have players who feel emboldened. Good for them. Mm -hmm. You're going to have black players. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of white players to do it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the idea that you can't do it because it's disrespectful to the flag, that's over. That is absolutely done with. And I, I, I do think we are going to see maybe a golden age of athletes in American sports really being down for the cause. Mm -hmm. You had it in the 60s. Obviously, Ali is, is the main person, but you, you know, I think of Jim Brown and obviously uh, uh, John Carlos and, and, uh, and, and, and Smith in the 68 Olympics. But I really do think now uh, with this football season coming up and when, when we do get sports back, you're going to get a lot of athletes saying, you know, you won't do what you tell me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking to Rod Brooks from TKB on from two to six on KMBR. Thank you so much for joining us, Rod. Uh, oh, Shannon, on that note, on that note, Rod, yes. I want to compliment you on the radio that you have provided throughout all of this. I've listened yes. to a ton. And oh, thank you. You and Tom and Larry, but especially you. Yeah. Agreed. You have been uh, very helpful, very informative, very passionate, and uh, just job well done, man. You used your role in yeah. all of this as a sports broadcaster to the fullest, man. And I just wanted wow. to give you a shout, you know. Well, um, I, I have a tough time taking compliments. Um, that's the nicest compliment yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've gotten about uh, – this job right. that, uh, that I do. I, I appreciate that. See, I appreciate that, fellas. Thank you. I really do. Yeah. Well, Rod, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the, the hope uh, aspect that you guys were talking about. And um, as a 30-something, um, you know, we're the generation of Instagram and all that stuff. And uh, I feel some of that hope, too. Um, I also know that we're also the generation of short attention spans. <laughs> and um, that is a problem. And uh, Rod, I just wanted to ask you about something that you said um, on the air, and maybe you can talk about it um, in a little bit. I know Tony was wanting to ask you about a, a story of being profiled um, in your North Bay home. And I know you live up here. and. Uh, you know, the Bay Area may be progressive, but no place, nowhere is immune uh, from racial injustice. And I just wanted to ask you, what kind of sustained 
um, progress do you want to see in your North Bay home? What do you hope for your kids to see? And like, you know, we can talk all we want, but what kind of change are we looking for? Well, it, you know, but Polly asks, you know, what can, again, to keep it simple, what can white people do yeah. to, to help? Yeah. Uh, listening, uh, understanding, being empathetic is, is what I said. But also, when you see it, you got to call it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you are a white person and you're down with the cause and you see your fellow white person being racist, saying racist stuff, you know, being real casual with it, you got to call them out on that. And Shannon, to go back to your point about, you know, the, the young people and how they can, you know, they can help with this. They're really good with social media and they're really good with using social media to, to put pressure on people that need pressure put on them. So again, if you see it, if you hear it, you got to call it out. You know, racism in this country has been allowed to slide for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is that you've had white people not wanting to get involved and call other white people out for their racist transgressions. Mm -hmm. That's got to stop. That's 112 percent got to stop. I understand that that's going to lead to a lot of arguments at dinner tables and, and family gatherings or what have you. But let me tell you something. If your Uncle Remus is being real racist around you, that's just not him being racist. What, that, what he's saying is, I feel comfortable enough to be an ass <laughs> around you. Yeah. Because I think you believe the same thing that's I do. A- that's an incredible point, man. I've always wondered about that. That's a great point, Rod. And I've always wondered about that, like in a group setting, whether it is like a family, uh, a get together or a dinner table scenario. You know, if you're with a group of people and that kind of talk is, you're hearing that kind of talk, it's totally inappropriate in any situation. Yeah, that's going to be a really, really interesting kind of after effect of all of this is like calling out the calling out the racist ass in the room and how's that received by the rest of the room. Cause frankly, Rod, I think that some people are afraid to do that. That 100%. aren't racist, that aren't racist, but for the sake of like, wow, my uncle's a racist. There's nothing I can do. Like, and then, and then yeah. you just let it slide. But the funny thing about that is, well, it's not funny at all, but what happens as a result of that, I think is like what you were saying, Rod, it just perpetuates, just continues. Yep. Cause that's yeah. another guy. But yeah, the, how dare they assume everybody in this room right. is going to be cool with me saying that. It's like, whoa, dude, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Not everybody. Yeah. And that's when I kind of go back to, uh, I'm not sure if I know ignorance, stupidity, mm-hmm. They, they're, they're not informed, but that leads me to this. Here's one more thing real quick. Sorry, you guys. I just want to get Rod's take on this. Cause so Rod for me, and I told these guys this last week and you and I have talked about this dude over the years is how much of a presence as a young white guy for me in my late teens, early twenties that Chuck D was Chuck D was really important <laughs> to me because I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously, well, there's a million reasons, but what he did was he informed me of a lot of things that I did not know about. Yep. Truly. So like when Chuck started breaking stuff down, I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about, but I'm going to go research it and find out. Cause it really mattered to me. And like, I had those dudes in my life as these kind of like moral compasses, like Richard Pryor, uh, when I was a teenager watching the uh, live at the sunset strip stand up comedy, he did a whole thing about going to Africa and how he's never going to say the N word again. And that was powerful. Like, well, Hey, Rich doesn't say the N word, man. Like you, you have to have people help shape you. But here's my question, Rod. 
or I'll point this out, it's just an interesting food for thought is that as a white guy, dude, that stuff, they don't teach you black history in the curriculum or they don't teach you enough. So the reason I didn't know, like if Chuck is talking about Stokely Carmichael and, and, and Miriam McKeever or something, and I'm like, well, I don't even know who those people are, then I'm gonna go find out. But my point is like, they don't teach you that in the classroom, which is pretty, like, think about that. Why? Why aren't we taught about the Black Panthers in the classroom? Why aren't we taught about uh, Malcolm X in the classroom? Maybe at the collegiate level, but certainly it's most <laughs> standard U.S. American education. Yeah. They keep that from you. They don't, well, it's almost like they don't want you to know. Uh, uh, here's written by the victors. That is true. Well, unfortunately, always be true. Uh, so they keep that information from us because they don't want us to know that, you know, for you to learn that stuff in college, you got to go and take those courses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Say, they didn't, they didn't teach you a black about black history. They didn't teach me about black history other than the obvious Martin Luther King, basically Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Basically it's, it's a whitewashed version of yeah. black history. Yeah. Um, it, it, so it, Chuck D is he he is he is a, a college honors African American studies course, and I say this with one hundred percent truth. Chuck D has taught me more about, about Black history than the American public school system. A rapper has wow. taught me more about Black a Black American. Oh, wow, me more about Black history than the United States public school system. That is not by accident not by any stretch of the imagination. So that is the change that has to happen. Like 100%. That, that is a concrete example of what needs to change. The curriculum in the American public school system needs yeah. to change. You, and we I, gotta tell the truth though. We right. have to tell the truth. You right. know, Jim, it's like, I remember being taught about Jim Crow and it was glossed over. Mm -hmm. It was completely and totally glossed over. Mm -hmm. I mean, in some instances, it was even, it was even it was even taught as not only was it not that bad, but it was somewhat beneficial, which mm -hmm. is crazy when you, well, know about it because there's nothing about Jim Crow that's beneficial to anybody that's black. You know, they, once, once, once you got past Brown versus the Board of Education, that's when they, you know, it's like when you watch a movie, a biography, and they spend a lot of time telling you about beginning and when they get to a certain they have to rush through it because they have to get to the end of the movie they teach about black history so so you get uh, uh the slaves were brought over then you get the civil war you get reconstruction then you get bam right to brown versus board of education you get to the civil rights bill you get to martin luther king and everybody lives happily ever after right that, that's what they teach you yeah yeah that is completely and totally not the story you yeah. gotta tell the truth but you know Who's in charge of the curriculum? Who's in charge of what goes into the textbooks? White people. Whitey, yeah. And they have it, and, they, and, and some of them, unfortunately, have a racist agenda. Yeah. And wow. if they are not inclined to put the truth in the textbooks and to put the truth in the curriculum, we, people who look like me, people who look like you, are not going to get the truth. However, like I was saying earlier, you gotta if you're a white person, you gotta want that truth. Mm -hmm. You gotta want yeah. for the right yeah. thing to be done. That's and good. if somebody ain't doing right, you gotta call them out on it. You gotta call them out in person, you gotta call them out in a group setting out in the world, you gotta call them out 
online. If somebody's not doing the right thing and they're being racist, you've got to call them out on it. Yeah, Rod, that's going to be, I think, the, the, the challenge for, for all of us is to continue doing this work so we can all move ahead a step or two steps. And um, it's been great having Brooksy on today. And Shannon, I know that the clock kind of dictates our, our, our schedule here. So it's time for the musical assignment of the week. Kaler, no pressure, but make it a good one, kid. There's a lot riding on this. Well, here's the deal. We've, uh, we've talked about continuing to listen. And so that's what we're going to do. Last week, we created uh, or started our Black Voices Matter list. And, uh, you know, we have our playlist, the Polly's Podcast playlist on Spotify. But, you know, it's just time to, to keep the momentum going, of course, and um, to keep lifting up Black Voices. So uh, in the spirit of that, we are picking our favorite songs by some of our favorite uh, black artists, and we'll continue it. Now, Kaylor, on that note, I just want to pause and um, make sure that all of you guys this weekend, speaking of you know black artists, Dave Chappelle is a black artist. Yes, sir. He just did a stand-up at his house on June 6th, and I urge you all to watch it because it is very powerful. And he's, he's, he's had it. I mean... Yeah. And and the name of the piece is eight minutes, 46 seconds. And um, it's extremely powerful. So it's, well, not a, it's not a song and it's not my selection, but I'm just urging you guys and all the listeners to uh, to make sure you watch it at some point this weekend or something. I appreciate that, Tony. I'm all over that. And I'm going to I'll guarantee you I'll watch that later today because I'm, I'm a monster Chappelle fan. And his commentary is. Uh, it's something I would like seek out during this time. So that's yeah. awesome. And also speaking of other great black artists, I'm just throwing this on the fire too, like another log in the fireplace, but don't forget Spike Lee's new, new movie uh, premieres, I believe Friday today on Netflix. So oh, wow. yeah. So check that out as well this weekend, the five bloods, that's his new movie. Nice. Um, so from, anyway, from that Kaler, here we go, buddy. So I'm going to keep it, local if i could please oh, do paul <laughs> oh thanks man uh just one of my favorite guys man as far as laying down like a soul and a funk and a rock and roll and some gospel it's like a hodgepodge of so many different kind of musical styles but right out of the bay area man i got to shout out sly and the family stone Ooh, yeah 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 a lot of great stuff there, man. In fact, Sly had some – he had some pretty political stuff, too. Like the Sly Stone yep. album called There's a Riot Going On yep. Yep. is kind of like in the early 70s during that tumultuous period. And um, But the one I'm going to go with today is uh, just what – it's a jam, dude. It's just a jam. It's a throwdown where everybody in the family Stone gets a chance to, like, really rip. Like the sax player gets a lead, the keyboard guy, everybody takes it. Um, and the track is I Want to Take You Higher. Ooh. Taylor, can you give me a high, take you higher vocal real quick? Oh, man. Not <laughs> Come on. No. Come on, no. Bro. I don't think so. 
You're no, a we're playing. Musician. Dude, this is like the greatest performance in Woodstock history with the tassels, <laughs> the white leather tassels. I'm not going to, you're not going to get me to look like a dumbass. Well, but, <laughs> okay, so Brandon, I believe it's your turn. I was trying to actually throw oh. a segue to you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry I didn't pick it up. Uh, so here it is. Um, one of my favorite people who is still touring um, and still making great music. Uh, she collaborated with Run the Jewels on their new record. Um, she was on uh, Hozier's last record. It's Mavis Staples. Yeah. And she is, she's the queen. And every time you go to one of her shows, uh, she just fills you with light and hope. Um, but she also uh, uh, just speaks to the reality of what's happening mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, personally, she's such a sweet person. I've heard that she gets everybody nicknames. She gave our, uh, our agent the nickname Muscles because, <laughs> he, you know, because he's kind of ripped a little bit. But she's, I don't know, she's just a sweet person, yeah. but then has this magical persona on stage too. Uh, but I'm going to go way back in her catalog to the staple singers uh and they used to open up for mlk when he would do his rallies wow um mm. and i'll do i'll pick their song respect yourself yeah and that's yeah, what man. we as white people need to do is stop with the bullshit and respect ourselves nice respect Didn't you yep. tour with Mavis? We've opened for her a couple of times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, hey, man, let's lead with that, by the way. You <laughs> well, opened for one of the greatest voices <laughs> in the history of the United States of America. If there's any time for you to flex, Shannon, about your, your, your musical career, that's the uh, time to flex, man. Yeah, come uh, on, Taylor. Well, so... Mm. After we played outside lands, and so afterwards, our agent brought us to meet her because she, wow. you know, he knew that we were huge fans. Yeah, and she was so sweet. She was just sitting with one of her sisters talking, and wow. she said, "Hello, young man." You know, oh. and and I just said, "I just want you to know that your version of the weight means everything." Oh. And she said, "I pulled into Nazareth," and oh. she started singing with me. I was like, "Oh, oh my God!" Are you serious? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. Well, let me ask thing. you this real quick before Tony and Rod go, Shannon. When it comes to great rock and roll stories, is that a it, what's the better rock and roll memory for you? Having Mavis Staples <laughs> sing the weight backstage, or getting slapped in the face by Mike Ness? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> being slapped was a little more physical. I understand. That was, that was nice. Uh, <laughs> that man's a legend in his own field, too, though. So I'll take both, Paul. Okay, fair enough. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, both. Great picks, gentlemen. Great picks, gentlemen. Um, first of all, Brooksy, thanks for joining us today, man. It is <laughs> Come on, man. Cool, and I know, but, it's, <laughs> you know, I need more Brooksy. And um, I just thanks for taking the time, man. And um, we'll do it again and again and again. We'll, we got to keep doing anytime. it anytime, anytime. Um, uh, my, I'm gonna go. I'm, a, you know, I know you guys are too. I'm angry, and and if I'm angry, I can't even imagine 
what you know black people are feeling if i'm if i'm angry or, or people of color are feeling and uh there's a gentleman down in texas who you know he he hearkens the the ghost of of Jimi hendrix i feel and um gary clark jr is his name yeah. and if you haven't listened to him listeners I, I i highly recommend his catalog but uh his his couple albums before this album were more you know straight ahead blues rock um but this record uh called this land he's pissed yeah he's angry yeah and um and it all was based on personal experiences of his of him dealing with racism and him uh for years and years just kind of you know um brushing it off and he decided he's not going to brush it off anymore uh great if you look up great interview on rolling stone um with him that i recommend and also a great interview on npr and he talks about how he was with the money he's made through his uh, musical success he bought a 50 acre ranch in in texas and his next door neighbor walked up and said hey who, hey who lives here and gary clark said well my wife and i and our, our child lives live here and he goes the neighbor said well no you can't you can't possibly live here and that's that was the impetus that was at that moment he said i will be silent no more right and he wrote this album called this land and so i i picked the title track this land from gary clark jr paranoid and pissed off now that i got the money 50 acres in a model a right in the middle of trump country i told you there goes a the neighborhood now mr williams ain't so funny i see you looking out your window can't wait to call the police so man when i know you think i'm up to something nice tony Damn. yeah nice. yeah yeah, because yeah, we got to keep the conversation going. Um, it's just, it has to stay at the forefront. Yeah. I mean, I was, I forget what I was watching last night. It was after I watched Chappelle, but I was just watching about how, you know, basically for over a hundred years, things have happened and they, 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 they spark something for a little bit and then it dies down. They spark something and it dies down. Sparks, and it, it's like this vicious, ugly, awful cycle that needs to just be forever eradicated yeah i you know i i just i'll take it upon myself i think we all will is to just not let this rest nice Tony. very nice buddy yeah. very brooksy, nice brooksy the table is set man you got your silverware you got your napkins you got the <laughs> talking in napkins yeah <laughs> uh it, for me it's uh it's actually real easy um, I want to go with a guy that is the standard bearer and the, the, the base for actually three types of music. Soul. He started funk music, as far as I'm concerned. And this man is the basis for the, the most popular musical genre, not just in this country, but in the world. Hip hop. I'm gonna go with the great James Brown. Yeah, and I, I know that 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 the end of James Brown's life was uh, was was a bit problematic, and and he was he was, you know, he was comically high at times. Go looking for an old, I believe, CNN or old interview where he's just zooted out of his gourd. Yeah, but talking yeah. about James Brown, the musician. Yeah, oh yeah. There's nobody bad. There's, there's listen. There's nobody better. 
he was called the godfather of soul because he is the godfather of soul. And I'm not saying that he's the inventor, but he's the one that, that, that he's the one that put the gas in the engine and yeah. made it go. Yeah. James Brown and his band, you know, the, the, the JBs, the later incarnation, but even the guys he had before, they invented funk. And yeah. you do not have the early days of hip hop. And without the early days of hip hop, you don't have hip hop right now. Without James Brown, his, his, his break beats, his uh -huh. guttural, you know, his, 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 his voice, uh, you don't have hip hop without that. For that mm -hmm. man to be responsible for those three musical disciplines, name me someone else who has done that. But to pick a specific song, which is yeah. not easy to do, it was actually easy for me. Say mm -hmm. it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Oh, yeah. He dropped nice. that in 1968. Wow, wow. That was it was relevant then, it was, it was hot then, it went now and it's hot now and what is great about certain artists and the music that they make is that their art is timeless and his art is timeless no, it's it proven to be timeless it's proving right now to be timeless and you know i remember hearing that song when you know when i was a kid and you know he's got the the children in the background yes. you know yes. saying it loud that they're black yep. and and uh and they're proud and i remember hearing it as a kid and and not really truly understanding it yeah but it it just on a molecular base level it spoke <laughs> to me for yeah. you know for for obvious reasons yeah. so to know that that song came out in 1968 when wow, wow. You know, happening right now was happening back then um you know for for a black man to come out with that song and to 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 make that declarative statement was big then that statement still stands right now and it still resonates with me right now i am black and i am proud Yeah, man. Hey, man. Hey, that was great. You know, I just want to throw one last thing, Brooksy. All you guys on uh, the James Brown tip, like if, if people want to get like a beginner's guide to James Brown, I don't even know if you guys have seen it, but I, I personally think that the James Brown biopic with Chadwick Boseman is really good. It's underrated, man. It's, it's very good. Like, it, it didn't get the attention like the Johnny Cash movie and the Ray Charles movie got. And those are great, too. But this, it's like, you look at James Brown's childhood, Rob, like living in that cabin out in the woods. And that was no joke, man. And it's like, that's a look at American history that uh, is really relevant. And also, I just think the guy does a great job of portraying James he does. Brown. He does. So I recommend that. Tony, have you not seen it? I have not seen it. I will, I will yeah. put it into the queue. It's underrated. It's, it's definitely worth watching. He's a great yeah. performance. Yeah. You guys know who uh, who brought it to the forefront? Who produced that? Uh, who uh, saw James Brown just like he saw Tina Turner and said, "I need to take something from those guys." Mick Jagger. Oh, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger oh, saw James dude. Brown. 
uh-huh. on the uh, on the Tammy show, which is which Dude. is along with James Brown live at the Apollo. James Brown at the Tammy show is one of the quintessential James Brown performances. I believe the Stones were on that Tammy show, Bill. Yeah, right now. He saw James Brown and went. Okay, so that's a dude I need to learn a little oh. something from. Oh, hell yeah. First, see, how about this, dude? Here's how good James Brown is. James Brown's so good, dude. First, he got ripped off by Jagger, and then 10 years later, he got ripped off again by Steven Tyler. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> generations of dudes ripping off James Brown. But they, those guys, they know the deal. They hail the yeah, king, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, sir. But generations of blues musicians not getting credited for their songwriting for years and years and years and guys like led zeppelin oh, or elvis yeah. guys yeah. just raking in money off yeah. of the songs of Lil richard yeah. and artists like that forever it's really important i'm so glad you said that about <laughs> creating funk rod because we oh. all all of our favorite music comes from black culture yeah yeah man I, you know i i wish i could remember who said it i think it was jalen rose a basketball player now does stuff on espn he said uh he wishes that people loved white people loved black people as much as they love black culture. You know and this was very, this was very early in the, the, you know, the aftermath of George Floyd's murder and, and people protesting in the streets. That was, he said at the very beginning. And that, that that's, that's what really touched me and just had to go into the wave of emotions because it's true. How many people, and let's just take it back to sports and you know, what we do, how many people love black athletes? but they hate black people. Yeah. That, that is that, you know, to, to know that these guys, you know, you just think football players specifically because they are doing a very dangerous job. You go, you're shaving 25 years off of your football and somebody's cheering for you when you make a big hit or you take a big hit and you get up, but they don't respect you as a human being. They don't respect right. you as a person. Like that's some, that's some, that's some deep, yeah. horrible shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, even though there, there, there are people who have borrowed liberally from, from black artists and, and, and haven't given them credit, I, 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 you know, at least speaking specifically about Mick Jagger, just to take it back to him, you know, you do get the sense that he has a great deal of love and respect in oh, his heart for, totally. for black people. And maybe I'm projecting because I don't know the man. But I, I, I genuinely believe yeah. that in, uh, you know, in, yeah. in my heart. No, there's no question. I hope no, it is. The stones, the stones are definitely know where their bread is buttered, man. And you're right, you guys. Yeah. There, there would be no stones without right. James Brown, a little Richard, and Robert Johnson, and, and, and uh, you know, Muddy Waters. All, by the way, they're all black. Howlin' Wolf. All of them. Howlin' Wolf. Howlin' Wolf. Howlin Wolf. Yeah. The vocals of a Howlin' Wolf, man, you know? Man. Well, Brooksy, thank you for coming on today, man. It was of great course, to see man. You. I can't wait till this whole uh, COVID crisis ends because I, for one, vote for another party up at Tony's Tahoe Cabin. And Absolutely. Tony, <laughs> even if you're not eating steaks, I'm going to request one grilled up on the shelf. Good. <laughs> Good. All right, uh, All right hey, you guys. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks again, Brooksy, and everybody stay safe and healthy, and uh, we'll see you next week on the podcast. Thanks, guys.